Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree, the show where we dish out tips and advice for mystical business owners and service providers. What's a mystical business owner? Hmm, you might be asking that. Well, if you work as a tarot card reader, astrologer, Reiki healer, intuitive counselor, oracle medium, or if you do any other kind of spiritual or sacred arts as part of your profession, we're talking about you. I'm Teresa. And I'm Bree. Hello, everyone, and thanks for joining us. So the deal is, is that Teresa and I love each other, and <laughs> we, like, we love to hang out. And we've both been self-employed sacred artists running our own businesses for decades upon decades. We can't help it that we look so young. So we know <laughs> what goes into running a successful business. And we really know, we really, really get how much heart and grit and hustle we have to put into our businesses to keep them afloat and rocking along. Right, because, you know, business, you've got to treat it like a business. And, and I think for us people who tend to be more in the metaphysical realm, you know, sometimes that sounds like such a hot drag. But we do the show together once a month to show you that it's really not. And our tips and strategies that we've learned over the years hopefully are going to help it so that you learn how to make your business more enjoyable and more effective and successful. And that's what we're trying to do in Talking Shop because we want to see our peers thrive and succeed. Yes, that is right. So in each episode of Talking Shop, we tackle a different topic. Today's topic is a tough one, actually. It is sticky Mm -hmm. business challenges and how we have overcome them. So as I said, um, in the intro, you know, we've been in business for a long time, both of us have, and uh, and so we've had our share of these. So thanks so much for tuning in to listen. Let's get this show started. Well, yeah, I think this is a really important show because, you know, if you're in business, whether you're in business like a couple months or many, many years, at some point you are going to encounter a difficult client or a situation that's really awful And it's enough sometimes to make you want to quit. And we don't want you guys to do that. We want to show you in this show that even if you encounter some pretty difficult things, you don't necessarily have to quit. You may have to make some changes, but you can keep going. So I want to start out with some business horror stories. I want you to share one, (laughs) Bree, and tell me how you handle this. Let's give people a concrete example. Yeah, no, this is it's really, really true. So you know, I am, I refer to my work as sacred arts, and so I'm a reader, so I I work with tarot, I work with astrology, but then I also create rituals for people, and I teach people how to create rituals for themselves and how to do magic. And and so, you know, in our world, right, you can, every now and then, you can encounter someone who at first seems perfectly pleasant and lovely, and then you realize over the course of several weeks of working with them that something ain't quite right, as we say in Texas. So I had a client um, several years ago, and, and she came to me because she wanted help getting into an art program in a really good art school. And so we worked, and I gave her you know, a combination of things to do, both practically and also magically, 
and she got into art school and actually got scholarship money and like you know it was great and everyone's happy and I was thrilled for her because you know she was in her mid-20s and kind of flailing like not knowing what direction she wanted to go she was talented so you know we get we we opened the road and art school is happening and she's in and she's pumped and she's so delighted well then in after the first semester i get this email from her that like she's totally pissed and she's really angry because art school isn't what she thought it would be, and she has a teacher that she doesn't like, and, like, this has just ruined her life, and it's all my fault. And and so I was really taken aback um, mm-hmm. because I, first of all, I hadn't heard from her in so long, you know, and so you assume when you don't hear from people, everything is fine, right? And and secondly, because, you know, she had been so specific in her request and what we had done and what I had had her do was so specifically geared towards getting into art school. And I had assumed um, that, you know, I that, that she knew what she wanted to do, she knew what she wanted to get into, and that, you know, she was sovereign in her decision-making. And, and so I was just, I mean, and she was very, I mean, she was, she was vicious and, was emailing me like a lot and it actually started to get a little bit scary like I was like whoa have I landed with like some obsessive mm-hmm. person and so finally I got my business and attorney involved and we drafted a letter to her that was basically like a cease and desist and and uh you know I had tried every possible way of of you know creating conciliance between the two of us pointing out my policies um, to her, you know, just a- across the board. And it was just clear that something has happened and and she was just unbent. And I was the target of that for whatever mm-hmm. reason. So so it was really, it was intense. Um, I, you know, it was, it was several years into my business and it really gave me pause about my some of my policies so I decided you know the first thing to do was to spell my policies out with more clarity and then also um the the people that I work with the clients that I worked with and it was around that time that I said to myself you know I want to get to a place where I'm really not working with the general public I'm really working with people that already know me and they know my style and they know my approach Mm-hmm. And I know that they're doing the internal work that they need to be doing in order to benefit from the sacred arts. And so I didn't know at the time how to structure that or what that would look like. Those pieces came into play several years later. But I knew that that was a goal, and it, and it was a very clear goal that came out of this. So, you know, it was a horror story with a happy ending, but it was intense. There, I mean, there was sure. a period there where it was really intense. So what about you, Teresa? I want to hear House of Horror Stories from Teresa Reed. Some of my best <laughs> horror stories are actually around doing tarot parties. Now, years oh, ago, man. oh, I've got many. But I'm going to share three really short ones and then my decision what came okay. out of it. So, you know, I did tarot parties. They were a great source of income. And, you know, if you are somebody who's really extroverted and you enjoy reading for groups and you have the energy for it, it's a great source of money. Um, you know, you will make very good money doing it. It's great for networking. You're going to meet a lot of clients. 
So I do say that it can be fantastic. But, you know, one of the things that people don't realize about me is I'm actually highly introverted. Even though I'm very friendly, I tend to like to spend a lot of time alone. It's that Moon and Scorpio stuff. And big audiences and groups, really, I have to recover from it. So, you know, when I used to do parties, I would have to recover because I'd be so drained from them. And along the way, I had some really terrible parties. You know, one party that um, actually Alexandra Franzen in her book called You're Going to Survive covered this. I did a party and I walked in there and these were all people who were gang members. And so the head gang guy wanted me to sit down and with all of his guys sitting around him, pull cards on who he can trust. Let me tell you, I was sweating bullets with every card I pulled because I thought, I might turn over a card, it might be somebody's damn death warrant. So, you know, thankfully nothing terrible came out, but I walked out of there really shaken by that. Another yeah. event I had was one time, you know, I got invited to this um, other location, and I arrived at the location, and it was in a really sketchy neighborhood. So that's clue number one. And the place that I went to was located above the bar. So the bar was out that night. You know, nobody was working. It was closed down. So I rang the bell, and the lady comes down, and she's got a black eye. And I thought, okay, this feels weird. She leads me up this really dark stairway into this place that's very cluttered, very messy, very dim. And I've got terrible night vision, so I have a hard time seeing anyways. So I sit down and begin reading. And... I thought I saw, oh, by the way, the guy who was asking the questions was asking about guns. I'm like, what? Well, anyhow, um, I'm I'm having a hard time with my eyes adjusting, but I'm reading, and I thought I saw something go across the table. And I'm like, what the heck? And finally my eyes adjusted, and I see cockroaches swarming up the wall and mice running around the floor. Let me tell you this. I'm a pro. Um, so I ended up finishing the party, but I kept my purse and everything on my lap and sat with my feet not touching the floor because I was so tripped out and did my work and got the heck out of there as quickly as possible. Uh, and by the way, the guy who I was reading was asking about guns was also asking whether or not he could trust his girlfriend, and the girlfriend was the woman with the black eye. Ah. Terrible. Ah. And, you know, anyhow, and then the third incident that was really awful is one of my favorite clients scheduled a party. And I got there, and I'm having a great time. It's fantastic people. Well, somebody comes in to sit down for a reading, and it's a client that I banned. I mean, this person got banned as a client because they crossed the line with me. They showed up at the party and sat down. And I had no choice, but I had to read for this person because what are you going to do? You know, I banned you for life. And it was no uncertain terms, but here we are at a party. I'm not going to ruin this woman's gathering. So I got stuck reading for this person, and I walked out of there that day, and I said, you know what? If I wanted a sign from God, this was it. So after Mm -hmm. incidents like this, I decided to stop doing tarot parties. And that was a huge decision for me. I mean, is that a solution? For me, it was a solution. I had to quit doing it. There were a lot of people that got very angry at me, because they really enjoyed them. You know, so it certainly took a bite out of my business, but I got to say it was much better for me to not be working like that and putting myself in these situations that were dangerous or uncomfortable. 
Um, I needed to feel safe in my business, and I deserve to feel safe in my business. And, you know, one of my tips are if you don't feel safe in your business, you know, like let's say you don't feel safe having people come to your home office, then you don't have to have them come to your home office. If you don't feel Mm -hmm. safe going to these parties, don't do them. If you're dealing with people that are really creepy, by all means, set a boundary. You don't have to work like that. You don't have to accept dangerous situations for your work. So yeah. that's my, yeah. some of my horror stories. Absolutely. And they were, you know, and again, I don't know other people who've had things like this at parties. <laughs> Most people that I know mm-hmm. who've done talent <laughs> parties always report like, oh, my God, it's really fun. I'm meeting lots of people. I'm getting a lot of clients. I'm making a lot of money. And it's like, yeah, I did kind of, but I dealt with a lot of really rude, awful people. And, you know, even though there were lots of great people, too, it was not good for me. It was, and those situations yeah. really illustrate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, this is this is related to our horror story question. Um, inappropriate clients. Clients mm. who behave inappropriately. Have you ever dealt with someone who acted in an inappropriate manner? And if so, what did you do and what is your advice? I mean, clearly you have because we just heard about them. Mm-hmm. Girl, I could talk on and on about this. So back in the day when I was young and cute, when I started my business, this was more of a problem. Now that I'm getting old, it's less of a problem, thank God, you know, which sounds ridiculous to say. But, you know, every once in a while you might deal with somebody who really comes on to you or acts off. And I've had a lot of incidents about that back in the day. I had, you know, one client who wanted to invite me after – his reading to join him and his wife in some shenanigans, let's put it that way. <laughs> and I got to tell you, I almost had a heart attack because they were both there. And I'm like, uh, uh, you know, I didn't even know what to say. So I just kind of smiled and said, oh, yeah, cool. <laughs> that was about it and got them out of the <laughs> office and was like, what the heck? You know, not that I'm like totally vanilla, but uh, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> and then I had an incident where I had a guy um, who was getting a reading, and he started touching himself under the table. Now, who the heck oh. does that? Who comes to a tarot oh. reader for that? And I mean, this is a really extreme story. And I interrupted him, and I said, what are you doing? You know, and he, you know, of course, I snapped him out of his spell and all that, but I stopped seeing him as a client because that crossed a line. And, you know, and I've had clients yeah. also ask me out, even though they know I'm married, you know, and most of the time, when it happens, it's not anything that's too gross. And it's like, you know, thank you, I'm super flattered, but I'm not only married, I'm like super mega married, and I only have eyes for one person. And, you know, and then I keep a little humor, and that usually tends to, like, keep that to a minimum. So what about you? Yeah. Have you ever had anyone inappropriate or try to hit on you? Yes. I mean, yeah, definitely, you know, I've had I've had clients that, you know, um, have asked me out, have want, you know, have flirted. Um, I've had a few who are like, you know, I feel like we're destined to be together. I am real icy when it comes to stuff like that. Like, I have four planets in Scorpio, so when I choose a mate, I'm like crazy loyal and, uh, yep. you know, I'm, and get icy. Like, I really do. My Mercury is in Scorpio, so I, I can get really, um, very abrupt and blunt. Um, when somebody is crossing the line in a sexual or a romantic way, I'm super mega married too. 
I am absolutely not interested. And if you keep pushing, I take it as a personal insult, and I do not cotton well to it. So typically, that iciness is enough of a deterrent. But, you know, another way that I've had clients act inappropriately is um, they, you know, because we're in a service industry, I've had clients who have have talked to me um, like, you know, I'm their servant. Mm-hmm. And they're my boss. And and I've had them, you know, I'm sure you've had this too, like in the middle of a reading, they're like correcting me or they're trying to like tell me what I need to say, which is what they want to hear. And I have just flat out told people, uh, we're not doing this. You know, I'm, mm-hmm. I am offering you a service. You get the privilege of working with me. You're not going to talk to me like that. You're not going to treat me like that. And if that's what you need to do to get satisfaction, then here's your refund and have a great day. And so, and that's another way that I've had people, and again, rarely, but enough that, you know, it's something that I've noticed, right? And, and it happens a lot less now than it did when I was younger and I was first starting out and I was, you know, very, very sweet and uh, now, you know, after having kids and, and when you have kids, mm-hmm. you have to learn to set boundaries, you know, and, and setting boundaries. Now I'm a lot faster on the draw and I'm just like, oh, no, we're not doing this dynamic. So you can right. either straighten up or go find someone else. Right. Absolutely. I think that is so important. Sometimes we just have to say no. We have to say no to yeah. people who are inappropriate or acting um, in a way that really makes us feel uncomfortable because, you know, ultimately, if you're going to take on that type of energy, and this is one thing I always say, and you're going to put up with it maybe because you think, oh, my God, I need the money, you're going to earn every penny. It's not going to be worth it in the long yeah. run. So, mm-hmm. you know, you've already illustrated this thing about dealing with this this client who um, got a little bit nasty with you because they weren't happy you know what is your general advice around dealing with people who might not be happy with their reading or a service you provided you know what do you think is the best course of action yeah such a good question so you know we had mentioned Teresa you mentioned Alex's book you're going to survive and Mm -hmm. I I think that this book is a really good resource for anyone um anyone to have, but especially people who have businesses, um, because she talks about, um, I mean, basically it's a book full of what went wrong and then Mm -hmm. how the people involved, you know, collected themselves and moved forward in a positive way. So it's just, it's a really, it's really inspiring. It's really funny at points and it's also full of really practical advice. And so this is something that comes up a lot in her book because, as you said, it's something that comes up in life. So, you know, I, the, the first thing that is really helpful is if you have very clear policies. Mm-hmm. Um, this is what my service is. This is what you're going to get out of my service. This is what you are not going to get out of my service. Um, this is the work that I require from you in order to get the most benefit from this service. Here's when I'm available. Here's when I'm not available. Here's my preferred contact method. Um, this is how much it costs. This is my refund policy, right? Like all of these things should be spelled out 
for every mm-hmm. service that you provide. Um, because then when somebody comes to you and has a complaint, you're able to point them to your services and you're able to say, you know, this is all very clearly spelled out. And so if you're upset about something that has been covered, you know, that's on you. It's not It's not on me. Um, I think when people are upset, most of the time there's been a miscommunication or a misunderstanding. Right. Often there is something else going on in the person's life that has nothing to do with you. So being kind and being compassionate are definitely the way to go. And you can be kind and be compassionate and still hold to a boundary. And Randy Buckley, who we've had on the show, who we both love, is like she, I mean, she she is the master of talking about um, boundaries and kindness and how those things go together. That's such excellent advice. I can't really add anything more to it. You know, I think that the book by uh, Alexandra Franzen, You're Going to Survive, gives some wonderful tips around dealing with people who aren't happy. Uh, also, there's a book by by Christiana Gaudet called Fortune Stellar. It's a book for tarot readers. And she's got a good section in there also on dealing with people who aren't happy with your work. So, you know, that's another resource for people. But I love what you had to say. I love that. I love that. And, you know, the other thing, like I said, with my horror story, um, sometimes people do come to you and there is something in what they're saying that is that's either true or there's something in what they're saying that shows you something that you overlooked. So right. when I had this happen, it was after this happened that I created a really specific intake form mm. for clients that I wanted that I was going to do ritual work with um, right. because I wanted to really be on the same page from the very beginning. And so that so you know looking at the criticism and saying is there anything here that is useful, that I can take action on, I do think is a good idea. But, like, the boundaries and the kindness are number one. And, you know, the other thing, too, that we have to remember in our businesses, we're not always going to hit a home run. You're not always going to be right for that particular client. You know, one of the things I like to say is that Gloria Allred doesn't win every case. And I love Gloria Allred, by the way. And it's yeah, the same with us. Yeah. You may provide a service, maybe it goes bust, or it's just not a good fit. And it's really, I think it's really hard not to take that personally and feel awful about it. But you also want to give that same compassion to yourself as you get to the clients. And be kind to yourself and say, you know, if you're showing up and you're doing your very best, know that there is always a possibility that you're going to have a service that just falls flat. And all you could do is just move on and, you know, say I'm sorry, and that's it. So, yeah. That's it. That's it. So, Teresa, another thing that comes up a lot in our business are addictive clients. Mm-hmm. So, this is like the client who wants a reading every single day, or they're back in your inbox every single week. So, how do you handle someone who is addictive? Well, first of all, I set an expectation with people right off the bat, because oftentimes an addictive person gives you a clue because they'll say, so I'm wondering how often I can get a reading. And mm-hmm. it's like, so if somebody says that right away, I always let them know, you need to give space between your readings. Now, there's a, there's a, by the way, there's a difference between someone who's addictive and someone who's getting regular guidance. 
You know, so for example, there might be somebody who gets a reading once a month because maybe they have a situation going on that they want guidance on, like they're going through a divorce or they've got a lot of things going on with business. Like I work with my business clients a little more often than other people because they're looking to time things out. They've got different business situations that they want guidance on. You know, so there are situations where you may be getting more readings. That's not what I'm talking about or what you're talking about. We're talking about the people right. who are hammering you, and they can't even make a decision about which shoes to buy without contacting you. So, again, you yeah. want to set some expectations right off the bat uh, and say, hey, look, you don't. You only need readings X amount of times. Um, you don't need it that often. And the other thing is when someone starts showing the signs and you need to let them know that, you know, you've been getting a lot of readings now on the same subject. And um, I think we've really gone over this as far as we can. So I think it's important right now for you to take a break from this and to do some inner work around this and maybe revisit the situation a couple months later. You know, I, I had a – and I'll often find that the people who act the most addictive – are people who are broken up or they've gotten yeah. dumped and they want to keep hammering it. Will we get back together? Will he come back? And those that it's never helpful to obsessively pick at a situation. So I really try to discourage that. What about you? How do you handle that? I love everything you said. And I mean, basically the same thing. The one um, thing that I will sometimes do when I see this uh, pattern starting to unfold is I will I will give the client practical actions that they need to take before I read for them again. So then when they show up in my email inbox, you know, the next week, and they want another reading, I can say, well, did you do X, Y, and Z? Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't really have, I mean, I did X, but I didn't really have time to do Y, or, I, you know, I got sidetracked from doing Z. Okay, well, well, I'm not reading for you until you do all three. Mm-hmm. So, you know, go do your homework, right? Right. And then come back. And and that has been, and it's really, it's helpful and it's practically useful for them because, you know, I'm giving them actions that need that do need to be taken and at the same time it it allows them to get some time and get some distance and you know calm down because often when we want reading after reading after reading we're not calm you know we're not thinking about things rationally we're stirred up we're emotional i think you're so right Teresa. i see this most often with breakups um Mm -hmm. and health issues health issues are another place where you know, so anything where there's a lot of anxiety, um, so understanding that, but then also understanding that, you know, this is not helping that cycle. Right. The, you know, getting readings all the time can actually perpetuate that cycle in not great ways. Yep. And it's always important that we are taking responsibility for our own lives and being introspective. And tarot can help you be introspective. And this, by the way, this also applies to people who read their own cards. You know, sometimes people are, like, hammering the same question again and again and again. And it's like, don't do that. Take some time. Live life. Feel things out. Let things unfold. It's so much healthier. So So much better. Let's go ahead and talk about business partnerships, like joint ventures. 
Um, I've worked with yeah. many people over the years, and some, like my connection with you, have worked out brilliantly, and other ones not so much. How do you handle it when a business relationship with a peer hits the skids? This is a tough By the way, one. I've got a this horror story tough. about this one, too. So. <laughs> do you? Okay. Yes. Yeah, I want to hear the horror story. Um, so, you know, this is tough, and, and I have not had a lot of experience with this because I'm so picky about who I partner with in the first place. Like, I, you know, I'm I am very – I'm very picky about who I partner with. Um, and really it's because I have such limited time. And so, like, you know, I need to feel that immediate aha connection like I felt with you, Teresa. And and so my partnerships, by and large, have worked out really well. But I have seen some well-known partnerships blow up online. And, and I've seen the fallout that that creates in the community that has built up around the partnership. And I have also seen coaches um, and, you know, self-help service providers that, you know, I started out really liking and endorsing. And as time went by, um, you know, and I saw more of their work, I thought, oh, I don't really, I'm not a huge fan of this person, actually. So, you know, I think that the important thing to remember is that you're clear on the outset about your partnership. Like when Teresa and I, when we sat down to do Talking Shop, was, what, five years ago, six years ago, um, I had I had Jasper, who was like a year old, and Teresa was like, okay, here's here's the stuff that I'm going to take on, and here's the stuff that you need that that I would like you to take on. And we were so clear from the very beginning that this right. is what we're doing, and this is how we're doing it. And and so I think that clarity at the beginning, divvying up, you know, tasks and assignments, and then and I cannot stress this enough reliability. I mean, Teresa and I have never missed a talking shop. Like we, you know, we may be sick every other day of the month, but like we are showing up for our talking shop session. And, and, you know, so like we are very consistent. We're very reliable. If we say we're going to do something, we do it. Um, And I think that is just critical. I mean, you know, most of the big blow ups I see have happened because People say they're going to do something, and then they don't deliver, or they don't deliver on time. And then the other thing is money, right? If you're doing a partnership with somebody and you're dealing with money, then it needs to be very clear where is that money going, how is that money being divided. All of these are terms that should be agreed upon before you ever set out. And, you know, I mean, I like contracts. I think that a – that even an informal contract where you have really spelled out this is my part and this is your part can be really helpful because, you know, partnerships with with business people are like any other partnership. You go through a honeymoon phase where you're like, oh, you're so great. No, you're so great. And then three months later, six months later, Mm -hmm. a year later, you're like, oh, I don't like you anymore and I'm tired of doing this. And, you know, if you can go back to a contract and say, hey, this is what we agreed to, then it really just helps ameliorate all of those problems. So that's my take, Teresa. I want to hear your horror story. Well, I'm going to give you two quick horror stories about partnerships gone bad. 
So many, many years ago, there was a woman, there was a group of women who owned a metaphysical store. And their partnership went really bad. And one of them, who I was, I was friendly with all of them, but one of them came to me with the sob story saying how horrible those people were and she was going to start her own shop. Could I help her? So, you know, of course, as soon as somebody comes to me in tears, I'm like, oh, my God, yes, let me help you. So I helped her get the shop set up. And, you know, what's really interesting is I noticed that all of her friendships always seemed to go bust. And I thought, that's so weird. I wonder why she's not able to hold friends. She seems so cool. And, you know, I've always been able to have friends that are long-term. I mean, I'm still friends with kids I went to school with back in the day when I was a kid. So I just thought that was really strange. But anyhow, long story short, one day she got some bee up her bonnet after I introduced her to a guy and then decided, I've got my man now, I've got my shop now, I need you out of here. And so she started being really mean and spreading rumors about me. So I left the shop. Um, she, you know, gave me a nasty note. And it was it was bizarre because it was so, it didn't make any sense. I mean, it really didn't make any sense. And a lot of people who came in the shop were shocked because, you know, they thought we were good friends. But she's one of those people, obviously, who has issues with relationships and business partnerships and wants all the goodies for themselves. So she was really a user is what it was. And so anyhow, after that, she ended up spreading more rumors about me. And, you know, I just shut up and minded my own business and kept working, and that was it. And needless mm-hmm. to say, it wasn't long and her store closed. Well, of course, if you've got that kind of bad mojo, you can't expect that your business is going. You can't use people and be constantly talking smack and expect your business to work. The other part no. was around a podcast. I got invited to work on a podcast with somebody. And so I said, yes, I was excited about it because I love podcasting. It's not you, by the way. (laughs) But anyhow, Ah. the person I was podcasting with, I didn't know them. You know, I did not know them personally. I never met Mm -hmm. this person in person or anything. But they seemed to be really friendly. Everyone seemed to like them. So I thought, okay, well, let's do it. And after two podcasts, I knew something was up with this person, like something was wrong Mm. with them. And so I told them, I said, I don't think I want to do this. I don't like the way you're talking to me. Um, This doesn't feel good. And they asked me, please stay, please stay, please stay. And I said, well, okay. And so I stayed for a couple more months, but um, I just started noticing things about this person that didn't add up. Now, I am very sensitive to pathological liars. So I started keeping track and writing down notes on some of the things this person would tell me off the cuff, and I said, you know what, there is something deadly wrong with this person. So I quit the podcast, and then something happened behind the scenes where, you know, it all came out that this person was pretty much a catfish, et cetera, et cetera. And it was a pretty awful experience, and I was very hurt and upset that um, they lied to me, and it's like, you don't need to lie to me. I accept people for who they are. I don't care what's wrong with you. I'm not that way. You don't have to lie. So both of these partnerships went really sideways, and these are two people that I don't talk to anymore. But the advice around this is if you're getting an instinct that something isn't right, pay attention to it. And also for people, my advice now going forward, before you get involved doing something with someone, get to know them. Really get to know them. Make sure that they are people that you want to hang out with, that you want to work with. You know, Chris Zidell, who I love, I took a good long time to get to know, um, 
for, and we met in person a few times before we started teaching our brushes and cards workshop. And working with her was a dream. But I had already got, taken the time to get to know her. There were no red flags. Um, she's an amazing human being. And by the way, people, if you don't know Chris Idell of Creative Juices Arts, you need to get to know her. She's an intuitive painter and an amazing human being. I got to know her. So for business partnerships, take your time. Get to know the person. Make sure that they are going to show up and be who they say they are. And if, if at all possible, meet them in person to really make sure you are sussing out that this person is who they say they are. That is a way to avoid a lot of client drama. And the other thing is get a good contract with people if you feel any kind of ishiness about them. But you know what, Bree? If you're feeling that you need to get a contract because they're ishy, then that's probably your red flag that this is someone I should partner up with. Yes, I agree with that. I really agree with that. I, I mean, if, if money is involved, then I think having some kind of formal agreement in place is always a good idea. That's like my legal side, you know. But I completely agree with you, Teresa. You know, you know if this is somebody you're jazzed to work with or not. And, and if yeah. you're not feeling jazzed, I mean, I just say, like, don't do it. You know, don't yep. don't mess around with that. Absolutely. It's got to yeah. feel right. You know, I, I partnered up with Shaheen Miro um, to teach a class called Tarot for Troubled Times, and we're working together on other projects. And Shaheen I had known online, and then uh, I met him actually on my book tour. In person, he came to the book tour, and he is so lovely. I knew I had to work with him as soon as I met him in person. I knew I had to do something with him. So that was an easy yes. But, again, I had time to know him online. I got to meet him in person. It And his vibe is really beautiful. And we have really good agreements. We're very clear in our agreements. That makes a huge difference. Yeah, that's huge. That's exactly right. So let's talk about life online. And another sticky situation that comes up, which is trolls and negative online reviews. Have you dealt with either? And if so, how did you manage it? What do you, what Absolutely. Do you, do? you know, anytime you're putting yourself out there to the World Wide Web, you're going to come across a troll or someone who doesn't like you or a peer who hates your guts for whatever weird reason or people who really want to, like, bring you down. You know, I, I think sometimes when you're out there and really trying to be visible, there is always going to be a contingent of people who don't like that. And they want to knock you down a peg or two. So, you know, I think that's really what drives trolls and people who like to be really nasty critics. So, you know, back in the day I used to have comment sections on my um, blog posts. And every once in a while I would have a troll show up that would have something negative to say, they didn't like the post, and they were really negative. I'm not just saying someone said, I don't like this post. It was negative stuff. Like, obviously, this is someone who's trying to make me feel awful. And, you know, I would just deal with that. But um, what ended up happening is I decided after some time, um, I'm going to get rid of the comments section. Because when I put my work out there, I put it out there because I want to put it out there. And there are going to be people who love it, and there's going to be people who don't like it. But, you know, I don't need you coming into my online world on my site and making me feel awful. So I got rid of the comment section. And the last straw of the comment section, by the way, is I, I saw somebody on there who was, 
Posting comments is a strategy to draw people to their site. Do you know that people do that? Ah, yes. And I'm like, really? You're coming on here to get people to go to your site? Gross. If you're coming on to leave an honest, you know, a good comment, then we're starting a nice conversation. That's one thing. But if you're coming on there to be mean or to try to siphon off business, that's just gross. So I close down the comment section, and I don't miss that one bit. I haven't had comment section for years, and it's one less thing I have to maintain and take care of. And also, occasionally, you know, somebody might leave a mean thing on Facebook or something. I just delete it. I'm just done. Delete, yeah. block, yeah. we're over. You know, if you don't like it, if you don't like me, just go and find something that you do love. Put your energy into something you love. And in the meantime, I'm not going to put something in my attention or my focus on something negative, so I just get rid of it. And as far as online yeah. reviews, there's always going to be, especially when you get a book out there, there's always going to be somebody who doesn't like your stuff. And they might leave a negative review. You know, like maybe they might leave a negative review on Yelp or they might leave a negative review um, on Amazon. And one thing I, um, I've i learned is that, you know, everybody's going to get that at some point. It's like your badge of honor, that you're going to have someone who does it, and you just have to, like, not take it personally. And that's not easy to do. So, you know, I don't spend a lot of time going to those review sites. Um, I'm just not really interested. If you're going to be negative, I don't. I'm just not interested in it. Now, if it's something I can solve, if it's something I can solve, that's one thing. But sometimes people are just mean for the sake of being mean. You know, like uh, they might buy your book or a product specifically to slam you, and you can always tell when it's someone who's trying to do that. And you've got oh, to recognize. Yeah. Oh yeah, you've got to recognize it's not. It says a lot about them, not about you. Take nothing personally. If it's a situation you can deal with. Like if it's something where you can actually help somebody, respond, respond to the online review, make one response to it, deal with the situation, move on. But if it's someone just being mean, you're not going to accomplish anything by getting into it with them, by trying to reason with them. You can't reason with the unreasonable. Uh, And, you know, with online reviews, especially one of the things I've learned, like um, restaurants, and I've got lots of clients and friends who work in restaurants, who get really horrible reviews that oftentimes don't make sense. Like one of my clients got a review. They have a restaurant, and someone said, I walked past there and it was too full. Um, There was no – it was like they couldn't get a seat in the restaurant, that it was too busy. So they left a a bad review. It's somebody who never went inside and sat down and had a meal, but they were mad because they couldn't get a seat. I mean, that's sometimes how crazy people can be online, and that's why you can't take any of this stuff really personally. You've got to learn to let it go and say, you know, they're a human having their human moment. Let me let this go. That's about it. That's I just don't like to give it a lot of my space. I don't like to leave it take up rent in my sites, my business, or my head. What about you? Have you dealt with any of this? What is your advice? I definitely have, and my advice is the same as yours. Um, And, you know, like, if I was going to add anything to it, I would say that there's this thing that can happen um, where if you have an online forum, like if you have a Facebook group or if you're doing, like, a Twitter thread, you know, sometimes you will have people that come in, and there are people that love you and there are people that love your work, but they have an agenda and they want to push something that is theirs. You know, they they want to push either a topic or they want to push, sometimes it is a product or a service. You know, one of our good friends says, you know, there's no hitting on each other 
in this group. And when he says that, what he means is, you know, you're not you're not hitting people up to go buy your stuff, right? Like right. in this group, we're not doing that. So you know, there's there's like there's like the overt nastiness, and that to me in a way is easier to just be like, oh, delete, don't respond, don't worry about it, don't mess with it. Um, like you said, Teresa, if there's a problem and I can fix it, great. And if you're just having a bad, rotten day and decided I'm your target, like moving forward, <laughs> not not messing with it. But, um, you know, every now and then we have people like I had, a, a you know, somebody that I love dearly who wanted to get political in one of my groups. And I was like, you know, this is a politics-free group. Like, you're on Facebook. If you want to talk politics, there's a million places you can go do it. Um, I'm not interested in debating the point with you. I'm not interested in, you know, this is my group and it's my rules. And if you want to create something where you can do it in your way, do that. Like, I support you 100%. But, um, you know, sometimes those are, like, tricky situations because you love the person and you know, you're you're grateful that they're a part of your community, but they're trying to push something that really is not part of your vision into your space. And I think, like, we have to be guardians of our yeah. spaces, you know. So so that that is something that I've come up against as well. And, uh, again, holding to the line, holding to your policy, um, you know, sorry if you don't like it. The yep. internet is big. There's a lot of sandbox for you to play in. So and, <laughs> yeah, and you know it's it's so hard because I think sometimes two people just don't know any better. Um, like okay. they may, for example, once in a while I post my card of the day. I'll have somebody come on and they'll go and post their own interpretation, and I'm like, why are you doing that? Well, it's obviously they want to get people to see that they know tarot and they want them to come to their site. And I think they don't know better. They just assume that this is a good business practice. Maybe they've heard that from somewhere, you know. Um, so sometimes you've got to, like, also cut some people some slack. But when they are outright vicious and mean, there's just there's no point in dealing with it. You're not going to get anywhere. My friend Amy said said it best at all. She said, you can't get in, don't get into a pissing match with a skunk. <laughs> and I think that's really what you have to remember when people are mean online. You know, if you encounter a troll, somebody who wants to leave a mean review, or a peer who wants to dish your work, all you can do is send them love and send them on their way and go about your business. It's not worth it. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree. Completely. So here's the thing. You know, you know, we're talking a lot about this online stuff, but Let's just talk about boundaries in general. What kind of boundaries and policies have you put in place to keep business drama to a minimum? You know, like addictive clients or mean clients or or crazy situations. How do you keep this stuff to a minimum? Yes, it is really it's a good question. So the first thing I think that is important to to keep in mind is that you know, before you talk about boundaries and policies, I see my business as a magnet, and my business draws the the right people for my business, right? I call them my soulful seekers. They're people who are seeking out all kinds of different ways of living and being in the world, 
they're interested in intuition and magic and alchemy and, and, you know, prayer and blessing and all of the things that I do. And I think that the more coherent you are in your message and your presentation and your style, the more of your right people you attract. So, so that is kind of like the foundation stone that I think really needs to be in place. And if you find that you, if you find that you're, you have a lot less enjoyable clients and a lot more clients who are complaining and who are difficult and who are unpleasant, then I would definitely advise you to look at your policies and look at your procedures. But I would also advise you to look at the, what you're putting out there, right? Like how are you expressing yourself? How do people find your business? Um, you know, because all of this feeds everything, mm-hmm. right? And so Teresa and I, like, we've shared some stories that are kind of like come from our vault of horror stories, but I can tell you because Teresa and I talk all the time, like, this is by far the very small percentage of our right. experience. Like, most of the people that we work with are freaking phenomenal, amazing, awesome, lovely people and you're so excited to, like, get up in the morning and go have a conversation with them. So, so you know, so I think, like, if you just see that you have clients that you really don't like, you need to look at your messaging and you need to look at what your services are, um, you know, and you need to look at how you're presenting yourself because all of that, even your pricing, all of those <laughs> things may have a role to play. Now, as far as policies go, you know, for me, I have – two young children. So one of my policies is I do not do in-person readings for people, Mm -hmm. right? Like no one's coming to my house. I don't have an office. Um, I do have an office. I have a home office, but I'm not inviting people into it. My personal space is my personal space. Um, You know, if you're in my personal space and you're not invited, you're trespassing, and I don't like it. So I, that that is something I decided to do when we had our first child, and and it's really great. So along the same lines, I don't do tarot parties, right? Like we talked about that. Um, I don't. I you know I am. I really my business primarily is online. When I do something in person, like if I go travel for business, then I will get in touch with my clients that live in a particular city. So like. Sometimes I go to New York for business. I'll get in touch with my New York clients. I'll go to Oregon for business. I'll get in touch with my Oregon clients. Um, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I am not available just for people to swing in by and, you know, get a reading. Um, I do like to do in-person events, you know, uh, workshops and, and retreats and things like that. And so I try to make that available as I can but, you know, in-person stuff at my house is not going to happen. Another policy that I have in place for all of my services is I have a very strict no-refund policy in place. You know, I go to great lengths to articulate clearly what the service includes, what the offering is. Um, you know, I, I even spell out, like, how is this going to be delivered? Is it going to be delivered via email? Is it going to be a, an audio recording? Is it going to be a downloadable file? Um, so, you know, I'm real specific. And, and as a consequence, if somebody purchases something from me and then they want a refund, um, I, don't, I don't give them, you know. So, and I'm very clear about that. And, 
And that has saved a lot of haggling and a lot of headache. You know, I'll just mm-hmm. say this is this is the deal, and this is what's happening. And and you know, I have a very clear policy about that. So that has been really really helpful. Um, and then uh, you know, another boundary that I have in place, and I alluded to it earlier, is I am going to treat you like, you know, I am going to treat you like part of my extended family when you're my client or you're my student. Like, I'm really invested in you. I expect the same kind of respect from my clients and my students. So if you take a tone with me, as my mother would say, are you taking that tone with me, young lady? Right? If you take a tone with me, um, or you start talking unkindly to me, I am not going to work with you. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm not, you know, I'm just not going to, right? And, and that's a situation where I will refund your money, and I'll happily refund your money so that you can go elsewhere. So those are some of my really um, hardcore policies. I also have policies around tardiness um, mm-hmm. because in our industry, for whatever reason, sometimes you get people who think it's okay if they show up 15 minutes late and you know it's not <laughs> so, right you know i have i have a uh, a policy that if you if you're more than 15 minutes later late your session is canceled and you are not going to get a refund and you're going you know you're going to have to book another session and pay for another session and so stuff like that really keeps things smooth and gives me the internal energy to do what I need to do for the business. So what about you, Teresa? Because this is such a rich question. Like, what about your policies and your boundaries? Well, I go pretty much similar to you. And, you know, I I am one of those people that uh, I'm very kind-hearted, even though I can be tough. And I've got a big soft spot. And that has gotten me in a lot of trouble in the past. I always like to say, as a tarot reader, I have very weak boundaries, which makes me very good at my work, but it's also what gets me into trouble. So I've had to learn the hard way about having policies and boundaries in place. And I really have to thank Randy Buckley uh, of Healthy Boundaries for Kind People for really helping me to do that. So, you know, I have all my policies specifically spelled out on my site. So people can read it and they can decide whether or not I'm the reader for them. For example, I've got a hardcore no-show policy. Um, Because I used to have clients back in the day who wouldn't show up or blow me off at the last minute and... You know, there I'm sitting then, and I could have put somebody in that spot. And they would just act like it was no big deal. And it's like, do you go to work and have your boss decide then that you're just going to go home and you're not going to get paid? No. So you're not going to do that to me because that's exactly what that feels like. So I started instituting a policy where if you blow me off, that's it. We're not working together anymore. Well, let me tell you, that really helped a lot. Of course, it ticked some people off because they thought I was being unfair or harsh, but my time is valuable. And there are other people yeah. who want to work with me, and that's taking money right out of my bank account, money that I'm depending on for things like health insurance or a mortgage, you know. It's not like I'm doing this just for fun and giggles. I've got bills to pay. So, you know, that was a policy that I put in place. I also have a no-refund policy because you're paying for my time or you're paying for my product. And I spell things out very clearly. So I expect people, and I and I also spell out the refund policy very, very clearly. You know, you're still going to have people that push past it or try to, but if you have everything spelled out, that helps a lot. Now, another thing that I've started doing, when I am booking an appointment with somebody, I also make sure that the policy is spelled out very clearly. 
that in the email it's going to say, this is my policy. By, agree- by setting your appointment now, you are agreeing to my terms and conditions. Here they are. It gives them a link to the site so they can read them. And then they also get an email that says, here's the time. This is when you're going to call me. And if you miss your point, you have to give me 24 hours notice or your payment is forfeited. Uh, here's my no-show policy. And that way, again, it's right in front of their face. It's like, now you know. And then, you know, if they see that stuff and they don't like it, they don't have to work with me. They can find somebody where they can come and go as they do as they darn please. I don't know any reader who wants to put up with that kind of a client, but I've had to really set those boundaries hard. And it sucks. You hate being like that. I also stop seeing people in person. I've had too many creepy experiences. Um, And also, you know, having people coming in and out in your home, that's an insurance risk as well. I mean, if someone breaks their yeah, ankle going down is. your stairs, right. you're going to get in trouble. So I stopped seeing people in my office about two years ago, and some people got mad. They got really mad. They don't like that. They they think they're going to get a better reading if they're in person. But it's like this is about me feeling right in my business and how I work best. And so I set the policy, and I just had to really stick with it. And, you know, anytime you have a policy, you're going to get flack. But one of the things I want to tell people who are listening Set your policies and then be very brave about enforcing them because if you have a policy but you don't enforce it, it's not a policy. Oh, so true. Preach. Right on. Absolutely. Woo! Yeah. Preach. <laughs> so preach, preach. No, I mean, it's so, so true, right, because I, I mean, you can have the best policies in the world and if you don't stick to them, then why? <laughs> right. <laughs> you know, why? Why have them? Have something creative like a wheel of fortune in your own policy kind of thing, you know? <laughs> right um, on. Absolutely. So, yeah. I mean, it's so important. So I want to ask you about another sticky situation that I know you have had a lot of experience with. Um, this would be online copycats and mm-hmm. business fighters. And and I've had experience with it, too. And I have not had the same kind of crazy um, experiences you have had. But, but right. how do you deal with this? I mean, and this ha- it feels to me like every year this happens more and more. Yeah, and, you know, I don't understand what drives people like that who copy other people's work. I think sometimes it's laziness or it's a shortcut or maybe they've gotten advice to model their site after someone else's site. You know, who knows why people do it, but it's wrong. It's against the law. And for people who are running a business, it is really frustrating. Now there's nothing wrong with getting inspired. I mean, I get inspired by Rachel Pollack all the time, but you know, when I talk about Rachel Pollack on um, my website or on my other podcast, I credit the source and say, this is what Rachel Pollack says. That's all you got to do, people. You don't have to copy. But what happens when That's you catch right. one? Well, first of all, my number one advice is to take screenshots of the offending sites immediately because you're going to want that for your records. And also, you want that. I like to say I'm like James Comey. I keep a paper trail because <laughs> just in case your copycat starts going around telling people, well, oh, no, she's just being, you know, a jerk. I didn't do that much. I keep a paper trail. I take screenshots. Every email that I have with that person that is kept, I keep it in a little file called legal on uh, my computer. And so take the screenshots. 
That way you've always got that to say, "Uh uh-uh, here you go. And that really is super, super important. Now, the next thing what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to contact that person. And, you know, so you might want to reach out to them via email and say, hey, I see that you've taken my blog post here or you've taken my web copy. And, you know, please remove that. This is my copyrighted stuff. And be nice. You know, usually most people are really embarrassed and they're going to take it down immediately. But, um, you know, sometimes they're going to ignore you or get belligerent. So the next thing is you're going to want to give them a stronger note with a deadline. And by the way, you can find their DNS and host through whois.com, and you're going to need that in case you have to get hardcore because the the next step, if they still don't answer you, you're you're going to have to issue them a DMCA notice. Now, that's a notice that says you've got to take this down. It's against the law, yada, yada, yada. And uh, it's pretty hardcore. And you want to send it to them, and also you want to send it to their web host. Now, if you want to get extra salty, you send a DMCA notice to Google and other search engines, too, that also show what this person's doing. And that's going to get them to remove their sites from search engines. That will absolutely harm their online business. And what I found is when I've issued a DMCA is usually people that immediately take it down. But on occasion, I've had like one or two who didn't, and then their web host took the stuff down for them, for me. Yeah, yeah, that's right. They will. You know, and if the problem persists, you know, you might want to you might want to get an attorney in at it. You know, it's rare that you need to get, go that route. It really is rare because most people don't want a lawsuit. So have an attorney on file, but again, take your screenshots, contact them immediately, give them a second email if they don't answer you. Then your next thing, DMCA takedown notice, and you send one to them, but also one to their web host. And then um, that's that. And it's usually a done deal, only attorney if you need to. You know, the other thing is, too, if something like this happens to you, my thing is, flattery is not. Uh, I, I don't find copycats flattering. I don't. Th- I mean, I know people who imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. I don't. I think you have to really educate people that this is not cool to do. So don't let it slide. Let people know that this is bogus, and you're not going to put up with it. Do you have anything to add to that, Bree? You know, the only thing that I have to add to it is that this is another place where collegiality can be really, really helpful. Um, so if you have, you know, if you have relationships with co- with your colleagues and you're in the same industry, you will find that there are people who have a reputation for being copycats or for being um, business fighters, you know, who who will do something that is so similar to what you've done and it's not quite the same, it's not quite exactly right. the same enough for like a DMCA takedown, but it's very, very close. And, you know, it's really helpful to know, um, you know, I had several years ago, there's there's somebody within our industry that is a known copycat and business biter, and she approached me and wanted to partner with me, right? We talked about partnerships a little earlier. Mm-hmm. And I, I, right, and it was really easy for me. I mean, impressive, awesome website, great presence. Very easy for me to be like, not just no, but absolutely not. 
I am not partnering with you because I knew from my colleagues about her practices. And so this is another reason why, you know, making friends with your colleagues, you know, you might think of them initially as competitors, and I would just say, like, that is the wrong way to think about them because, you know, people talk and people notice, and if you have some friends that can that can save you, you know, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. If you have friends who can save you from doing something like getting into a partnership with somebody who is a known plagiarizer, that right. makes a big difference, right? I mean, I didn't have to undo that situation because I never got into it. And yep. that was because I had people advising me who were like, be careful around this person. And so yep. that is really, really helpful too. Right. And also having peers and clients who have your back, there's nothing better. You know, not that long ago, um, I had someone on Instagram who accused me of stealing someone else's branding, which ironically, I have to laugh because the person <laughs> they're accusing me of is someone who actually stole my web copy a few years before and changed their branding not that long ago to the exact same colors that I use. So suddenly one yeah. of her friends, the Business Biter's friends, came on and said, hey, that looks just like so-and-so's branding. And it's like, uh, this has been my branding for years. And what ended up happening is some colleagues and clients saw that, and they got in there, and they're like, oh, no, oh, no, no, no. This is, you know, we've known Teresa for years, and they really had my back, and that really meant the world to me. So your peers and your clients, if you're doing a good business and you've got somebody showing up and doing really stinky things, they are going to be on it. In fact, some of my clients are so fabulous, and I just appreciate them so much because Every once in a while, one of them are the people who find someone who stole my web copy. And they'll say, hey, yeah. I found your web copy over on this site. And that's really shocking when it shows up, but it's really interesting that people will look out for you like that. So your peers and your clients, you know, oftentimes they're going to be really major help in situations like that. So you're so right on that. I so agree. Absolutely. All right. Well, believe it or not, that wraps up this episode of Talking Shop. So, as always, we like to do a little review. Teresa, what was your biggest takeaway from this discussion? What did you really like? Actually, I think what you just said about really um, having good relationships with your peers because it can help you to, like, really suss out people so you can avoid drama with peers or business fighters or copycats. I think that was such an important piece of advice, Bree. You know, I'm all about relationships. I've been in the industry forever and ever and ever. I've got friendships that go back years with my peers. And I've got to say that that is so true, and I, I didn't even think about that. But, yes, your relationships with your peers and your clients, are the good clients, are often everything. So it can really help when you're up against a situation where you're dealing with some you know, online BS. So that was really great advice. What about you? What was your biggest takeaway? I love, I mean, I loved your stories, first of all. They were awesome. Because, <laughs> um, you, know, you know I like stories. But I really love what you said about you need to enforce your policies, right? Like you can have the best policies in the world, and if you don't enforce them and enforce them consistently, what does that get you? And I yep. just I felt like that is so right on. So I really like that and appreciate that. I think that's really important to remember and 
kind of easy, actually, to look over, as weird yeah. as that sounds. Well, I think this has been a really rich conversation. And people, I also want to reiterate, too, if you have trouble with business boundaries, please go check out Randy Buckley at randybuckley.com. She really is a, a boundaries genius, and she's been such a lovely help for me and my business, and as well as for many other entrepreneurs or just nice people. So check her out. All right, guys. Yeah, she's awesome. She is. So we got to sign off. But before we sign off, uh, a little reminder, if you love Talking Shop, don't forget that you can listen to all of the previous shows for free on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher. Just look for Talking Shop with Teresa and Bree, and you'll find all the episodes there. You can also visit the Talking Shop archives. Just go to thetarolady.com, go to the tab called Free Resources, and hop on down to Talking Shop under Podcasts. You'll find all the goodies there. Bree, where can they find it on your site? Pretty much the same thing. Go to com. There is a tab called Books and Resources. Click on that. You'll hit another tab called Free Resources. Click on that, and there is all the Talking Shop swag. And, guys, if you like the show, please leave a kind review on iTunes because this is going to help more metaphysical business owners find their way to Talking Shop. All right, well, we need to wrap this up. So please join us again for another month, another <laughs> round of Talking Shop. And until then, you can find me, Teresa, at thetarolady.com. Bree, where are you online? You guys, thank you so much for joining us. You can find me, Bree, at com. Thanks again, everyone, for listening. We hope that you keep taking action to build the mystical businesses of your dreams. Stay on your grind and make it a great month. We know that you will. 